The Boundless Authenticity Podcast presents to you the Portal to Ascension series. The Portal to Ascension Conference will be held April 21st to 23rd, 2023 at Marina Village Conference Center, San Diego, California. After three years of a collective dark night of the soul, the Portal to Ascension Conference is returning live and in-person and is fully activated for the mission ahead of us all. As energy continues to shift and hidden truths are being uncovered, we are piecing together the fragmented parts of our existence to create awareness of the truth of who we are and remember our connection to the cosmos. This event is all about deprogramming ourselves from the outdated matrix system and remembering who we truly are at the core. Discover ancient origins, uncover hidden truths, and recover your true identity with guest speakers Alan Steinfeld, JJ and Desiree Hurtock, Linda Moulton Howe, Robert Schock, Caroline Corey, Robert Edward Grant, Barbara Lamb, Michael Cremo, Ra of Earth, Adam Apollo, Neil Gar, Joan of Angels, John Block, Deborah Gusty, Michelle Anderson, Eric Rankin, Geraldine Orozco, Sherea Dharma, Lori Wheeler, Torcom G, Lori Spania, Tangila, Jenna Layden, Sheila Seppi, Larissa Stowe, Fox Angeles, Stargate Experience, and Share the Light. Get tickets at ascensionconference.com. On this episode of Boundless Authenticity, I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Lori Spania. After what seems to be eons of fearless soul-searching and relentless personal self-growth work, and endless inner transformational healing, Lori Spania knows with the core of her being that she is on a mission to help awaken humanity and elevate the frequency of the collective and especially as it relates to the animal kingdom. Lori lovingly refers to herself as Goddess Divine, High Priestess, Warrior of Consciousness, Bridger of Time, Space, Dimensions, Realities, Connector of All That Is, Bringer of the Light, Truth Teller, naysayer, best-selling author, writer, preacher, teacher, student, spiritual mentor, and healer, animal communicator, empath, sensitive, ascension guide, DNA activator, divine channel, star family ambassador, way shower, catalyst of change, diehard animal lover, spiritual awakening being, as well as a divine lover of life, all beings, and all of existence. She knows she would never have discovered all of these things within herself if it wasn't for a greater purpose and is very clear. We all have magic and miracles within us, and she is ready to support you in claiming your magic and miracles within you too. To learn more about Lori, plus get tons of free gifts to support you and your animals too, please visit lorispania.com slash free gifts. So Lori, how's it going? It's going awesome. Thanks great. for having me here. Thanks for coming on. It's going to be a great chat. So for yeah. those who don't know who you are, tell us. Who am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than the infinite part of the infinite all that is. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I work with people and animals to really deepen and broaden their connection to source. I've been doing this for more than 20 years. And to really live not only live a heart-centered life, but really the authentic divine connection with source. So through the sacred heart center, 
And I, I say, you know, about who I am, I serve the light. I'm here in service to the light. Not everybody is, right? But that is my role. I'm here too. And I'm just, as a human, everyday human, I'm just trying to be the best, like really the best version of myself. And because I love the animals so much, I really, really do my best to help bridge the connection between human consciousness and animal consciousness with source, like the role that animals are here helping, how they're helping us and what they're here, what their divine mission and purpose is in service to humanity's evolution and our ascension journey. So it's really all about that. It's really about really deepening and broadening our, our connection, our unification and working with animal consciousness as well. Just to, to be the best versions of ourselves really. And, and in utilizing the consciousness of the divine to to improve the quality of our lives in every area of life. Not only, certainly for us as individuals, but also for us as a collective on earth. Oops. So yeah, that's my journey. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I love that. I'm a huge animal fan. I am surrounded <laughs> by chickens and dogs and cats <laughs> and turtles and <laughs> fish. <laughs> Me too. I love the animals so much. And they're just so like, it's just so amazing how much wisdom they have to share with us and insight. In fact, I was just like, just right before this time together, I was working with a, one of my students and her animal had transitioned like unexpectedly. And mm, so we were just connecting with the animal and just getting so much awareness for her about her soul's journey and how she was here and what the role was for that animal. And I mean, she was thinking that the animal was, um, she thought that the animal was poisoned by a neighbor actually. And it was all about like learning how to, you know, discernment about who to put yourself near and how to choose what's for your most benevolent, her most benevolent best. And, what the, that animal was really helping her with discernment and, and choices she was making. It was really fascinating. And it turns out that's not what happened. The animal transitioned through a, a whole other way. But it's, it's just so fascinating what, what they know that we don't know. I love that. You know, I, I, I think that something, what people would consider a strange happened to me when I really started my awakening journey. Like animals just started coming to me mm. all of a sudden. You know, and... Mm -hmm. um, I think that animals can definitely tell a lot about you that you don't know about yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and they're there as well to kind of be a mirror and be a, a, a guide and a teacher. So I'm really grateful to talk to you and I'd love for you to unpack that concept even deeper for us. Yeah. I mean, well, so we do know, just as you said, like everything really is vibrational mirror, vibrational match to some degree or another. And when something um, when someone comes into our lives, whether it's in an animal form or a human form, they're, they're almost always some form of a representation of who we are or of what we're learning, you know, how we're evolving or growing or else like who we're becoming, like some variation of that. So because everything is a vibrational mirror more or less. So to some degree or another. So when we see our animals, if we, if we take cues from our animals, like what really 
are they here sharing? They're sharing who we are, who we're becoming, and what we're here to heal and resolve and integrate so that we can really come home to love, into the love that we are. And because they're so, they're really so unburdened, that's one of the great gifts of animals, that they're unburdened by the physical world that we tend to be more burdened. When I say burdened, you know, they don't have to pay bills. You know, they don't have to get along with people really. You know what I mean? They don't really have to figure out how to navigate a work relationship or, you know, get along with their mother-in-law or whatever. Um, they're just being. So they're showing us just how to be, to be joy, to be love. And yet sometimes they do, depending on the environment they live in, they have things to work on. It could be a trauma that they took on in this lifetime, in this embodiment, or it could be some trauma that maybe they carried energetically, like imprinted in their vibrational band, in their morphogenetic field. So that trauma could be a match to the human's trauma, and they, you could be working on that together. Um, so it's up to us to kind of unpack that, because it's just another way that they're gifting. But because they're not burdened by most of the stuff that we are, they are a very clear mirror. It can be a really clear mirror for us. And they also, <clears throat> they're exceptional healers, you know, they're sponges. So if they're in an environment where there's incredible stress or anxiety, <clears throat> for example, they might sponge that up to help alleviate the burden that is on the human in their life or if they're in an environment that's incredibly like really high fear, they can sponge that up too. Like when I, I, years and years ago, I was a dog trainer and I got bitten by this incredibly aggressive dog. A little bit of a scar is still there, but really what was going on was that the human he lived with was full of so much fear that his aggression was a way to protect her. And he took on all of her anxiety and her fear. And so his, that's really what it was. He, he was just an output of her incredible anxiety and fear. She was an elderly woman. And he took that on, right? He wasn't really coming at me. It wasn't even about me. It was a way for him to release that. And I was learning, I, I called it in. I called in a fearful dog. I wanted to help. At that time, I didn't understand what I was asking for. <laughs> mm. I didn't understand consciousness back then. I just right. wanted to help a really fearful dog. Right. right? But this is the yeah. kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. And uh, it's funny because you, you showed that same spot. I have a bite right there, too, from an Akita from oh, many years that ago. <laughs> a similar circumstance the owner was very aggressive and the dog took that on as well mm. and um mm. the dog knew me the dog knew me from the time it was a puppy but i just mm. happened to be in the wrong place <laughs> at the wrong time and mm. the aggression was released on me even though it was someone mm. else that was a threat right and um it kind of turned to me like if i should know better like why'd you let this person in? you should know better and then it bit me <laughs> mm -hmm. because sometimes that does happen in our reality too when like i leave retreats uh, and i do live events a lot and i know that if i provide a sacred space very often that's when people their shadow side will come out if they finally 
are in a safe place. Um, you know, they can finally let that go. So it sounds like that's what happened with that dog, that Akita. Like he actually had a moment where he could release and let go. And that's the only way he knew how to let it go, to release it. Right? Sometimes it is it's just a behavior, right? Sometimes it's it's the behavior that's learned, a learned pattern. And other times it's like, oh, here's this energy that is going to allow a release, a let go. And I just need to let it go. Like I, that's what I'm getting intuitively that happened with you in that Akita. Mm. Yeah, perhaps, you know, it's, it's all good now though. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I have so many questions to ask you. I don't even know where to start. I was mm -hmm. wondering if you could give us some common examples of animal trauma. Yeah, well, so I'll give you a great example. My last dog before this one, her name was Kiko. And I, I sort of got her, I mean, it wasn't really my, it was my choice, but I was doing, I was living in Maui at the time. And the, the, the human who was the um, guardian at the time was, was temporarily housing her for the Maui Humane Society. And she was a foster parent. And she's like, can you help with this dog? This dog is so fearful. We can't get a leash around her neck. We can't like train her. We can't do anything. So I'm like, I was a trainer and I was doing already doing animal communication and telepathy. I just wasn't doing that work as professionally yet. I was developing my gifts as a, as a, you know, doing telepathy. So I took on this dog and whatever happens is, you know, she was so untrainable because she was so fear-based. She had so much trauma. Um, and I didn't know what it was. So as an animal communicator, I just asked her, like, what is going on? And she said, what I got from her was, telepathically was, well, I just was in my mommy's body. She's the problem. Like, my mommy had all this trauma. My mommy was abused. My mommy was beaten. And I don't know what to do with this. It's not really mine. But she was so afraid of humans because she took that on in utero from her own mother. So anyway, I started working with her, teaching her safety. And when she ended up becoming my dog for my whole, you know, her whole life, because I fell in love with her, of course. And when she transitioned, and of course I didn't want her transition but i was saying like if you really are ready to go i i release you because it, i didn't want to hold on to her you know if if that would cause that just keeps them stuck you know then it makes them hard to it hard for them to traverse the bardos if that makes sense the, the fourth dimensional realm so when she left the last thing i heard her say was don't you understand mommy it's not that i want to go we're just done Neither one of us is afraid of humans anymore. So, in other words, she took on the trauma from her mother in utero. And then she came to me because we were vibrationally compatible. I moved to Maui because at that time I was like afraid of humans. I'm, I'm a walk-in. <laughs> no. And... I mean, I became, I, I met with my walk-in version of me or my braided star. I call myself a braided star seed in Maui, but that was a trauma that I had that we had to resolve together. 
And when she was done and we were healed and resolved, the, that journey together was complete. So then I get this next dog who loves every human who's in love with humans. So this is an example. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm laughing, you know, I'm, it, it's funny. A lot of the stuff you're saying is I'm seeing similarities in my own life, my own, right. um, my own animals. You know, I, last year in April, I had to let go of my dog whiskey for he was i had him for like 12 years going on 13 years mm. and um he was found in a rain gutter and um i remember one of the things about him is because he was found in a rain gutter he oh he was almost drowning when he was found and so he never liked to go into the ocean or never liked to bathe or anything like that and it could never get him to bathe. He just would be like, mm -mm, not doing it. Don't trust you. Mm -hmm. Don't trust the water. Nothing. But mm -hmm. he always w was loyal to me. And through all the hardest times in my life, he was there. And he would always like put his paw on my face. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like if he was trying to rub it. Mm -hmm. And um, when he was going, he fought it. He didn't want to go. And one night I pulled him aside and I said, listen, man. I know you want to stay because you think you owe me something, but it's your time. You've done more than enough for me. You can go. And the very next day he's, he's gone. But I mean, he was still able to walk around and things like that. Like he, he, we knew he was going to go soon, but he still, he still had a lot of life in him. I could just see that he was in pain. And once mm. I told him that next day he was out. Mm. Yeah. Well, I do know that's true. Like, Animals will hold on for their humans as long as they can. They will hold on for a long time if their human's not ready to let them go. And when the human kind of gives them permission, they'll go if it's time. And the other thing to say about that conversely is that sometimes animals go when the human's not ready. And that is usually because the animal has something to teach the human uh, in the afterlife or through the transition process. I'm so sorry though. How are you doing with that? Because that's like so hard. Love is love, you know? I'm great with it. You know, I'm great with it. I, I, you know, I love him and he knew that I loved him right up until the last moment. And mm, I'm very good yes. with death. I don't want to hang on to anybody because as far as I'm concerned, humans are scary. You get out, you get out, man. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I, um, I got another dog shortly before he passed that has been taking up all of my time and attention anyway. I'm surrounded by animals, like I told you. So mm. every, mm -hmm. everybody needs something. Yes. <laughs> and I have two chickens with me right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I've formed some really strong bonds with animals like Chickpea, my rooster. He's my, he was my first rooster. Um, he meditates. He'll sit on my lap and I'll be like, okay, chickpea, what do you want to do? Let's meditate. And he'll close his eyes and you'll sit there still and we'll just meditate. <laughs> That's awesome. He's a fun you know, guy. I teach that. I teach a class called vibrational healing and meditation with animals because literally it's one of the best, just like for humans, if, if humans learn how to meditate, if they really learn how to sink into their, to their heart center, you know, and there's so many different kinds of meditations. 
but we know that meditation relieves anxiety, stress by getting into that space of that sacred neutral where there's just no frenetic energy. We can heal our bodies. Same for animals. They love the meditation and they're so willing to really go to that space with us if we, it's so simple to like to do that, right? It's such a gift. Um, so that's awesome you do that with your rooster. And rooster's oh, yeah. a lot of fun. a lot of fun. That's his name, Chickpea? Yeah. They're full of charisma. Like they're mm-hmm. so highly charismatic. And they're so curious too. Like, you know, that's so fun. What are some of the yeah. things that your animal companions are teaching you? Um, compassion and mm-hmm. non-judgment. And mm-hmm. um, from Shiloh, my Akita, he's teaching me patience. Mm. And he's also teaching me how to deal with stubbornness. But he, <laughs> there's another great story about him as well. Um, I had dreams about being attacked by a black wolf. Mm. And it went on for months and months and months. At first, it started off in the dreams. I would get attacked and I'd be like, oh, no, and run away. You know, and then it progressed to getting bitten by it. And then I'd be like, ah, and fight it off. And then eventually I learned to turn and face that wolf and wrestle it to the ground. And the very night that I wrestled it to to the ground, he was born like two weeks later. And Mm. my aunt was like, oh, I got a litter of puppies. You want one? And he was like the runt of the group. And um, I guess Akitas get a bad rap for being very vicious and very stubborn at times. Mm. Mm-hmm. But he is completely the opposite of that. He loves mm. every human being that he mm-hmm. sees. He thinks that he is a small adult child or a small dog. Because uh-huh. I have another dog called Hershey. That's He's a tiny little dog. I can't even tell you what breed he is. Literally on his vet certificate, it says chocolate brown dog, and that's it. <laughs> so that's why I called him Hershey. But mm-hmm. um, I, I suppose Hershey more or less raised him because I got Hershey for a year before I got Shiloh. But they are just the best of friends. You'll see them out in the yard sitting together all huddled up, and Shiloh will be cleaning him, or Hershey will just be like, kissing him or playing with his feet or doing something they're always together and so they teach me a lot of stuff just watching their relationship but it's funny how once i tamed that wolf then shiloh shows up in my life because i guess i had a a a bit of the stigma about akita's before that because i got bitten by one over a decade Mm, ago you know that makes a lot of sense but i learned to heal that and i learned that um i guess i learned that sometimes you have these precognitions of of animals and you really they they mean something you know they really mean something what did the wolf in the dream mean to you honestly i think it just was a manifestation of some of my own fears and Mm -hmm. and worries and um a little bit of anger as well because Mm -hmm. it started happening around the time that my dad died if that makes sense Mm -hmm. to you so that makes total sense yeah i think that's very intuitive you of you to be aware that that wolf was symbolic of your own fears and you're wrestling with this wolf and he's meeting you in your dream space which you know is a place where your consciousness can work through i mean energetically the dream space 
can be an area where us as conscious beings can work through some of our unconscious fears, anxieties, worries, among other things too, of course. Yeah. So that that's very intuitive of you and aware of you. And then, yeah, how interesting too that once you felt complete with that wolf in the dream space, here could be this wolf via Akita to sort of link that fear with you now falling into love. Mm-hmm. This being yeah, that absolutely. now you love so much. Right. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, I felt a tremendous amount of peace, which is why I named him Shiloh, he who brings mm-hmm. peace. Oh, I and, love um, that. Hershey's so awesome. another story. So I'd love for you to talk about animals as soulmates because I remember I randomly went to the, we have the RSPCA here and um, I was really just going to walk some dogs, but I went in and I saw him and he just stood out, out of the whole kennel. And there was this intuitive flash, this, this really high sensation that I knew him from somewhere or I was supposed to do something with him. So I was like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. take him out. Let's take him for a walk. Mm-hmm. And I just knew from the instant he walked out of that kennel, he was mine. And I was like, I started walking towards the building. They were like, where are you going with that dog? I was like, I'm, I'm taking him home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah you know, out. I mean, this, sorry, go on. Oh yeah. Sorry. I, I found out that he had been sent back two times before that for bad behavior apparently but he's pretty well behaved dog to me (laughs) that's awesome yeah well so you could easily say he was meant to be with you right i mean the the whole soulmate thing with to me i define soulmates maybe differently than some people do um you know i know we all have different definitions soulmates and then if you if you bring that into the romance arena twin flame and I mean, I like the word divine selection, which is like you're divinely selected, the one that the divine is selected for you. But to me, the definition of soulmates means two unique souls or a, you know, a unique soul and another unique soul who come together to, to work together through their souls, through their souls connection. They have work to do together that will bring them closer to love and more in alignment with the love that they are and that that relationship can easily be between yes a human and a human but also a human and an animal and so my inner knowing is that you know love is not limited by body by gender by size by shape love is not limited to any physical form so of course you can just be you can be in love with an animal now that doesn't mean you're going to have inappropriate relations but like like you can love an animal as a soulmate and that animal can deeply love you too as a soulmate and it sounds like you definitely have that with Hershey in fact you don't need me to verify that right you know it already <laughs> within yourself you know yeah And really, that is like you came together. That's what I was saying about my last animal companion, too. Like, I didn't realize that we were there together to work together, our fear of humans. I didn't realize that until her transition. Those were the last words I heard from her as she was completing her life journey with me. So I totally get that. You and both you, both you and Chickpea is, no, no, Chickpea was the rooster. What's the name of the Akita? Shiloh. 
Shiloh. Oh my God, how can I forget? You said it. Shiloh and Hershey. They both sound like real soulmates for you who are there for you to work through and to support you in your growth and your evolution because that's part of it too. It's not always just that we're working through challenges. We're also, you know, as soulmates with animals or whoever, we're becoming the, you know, that those versions of ourselves that we look at and we can honestly say that we really truly love ourselves, really truly, not just because we're stating some form of affirmation, you know, or staring in the mirror and doing mirror work. Those things are great and they're important steps on the journey, but it's the blossoming into love. You know, that's so much what what the animals really help us. They bring out that the best versions of ourselves. They can do that like really way easier because sometimes relationships can do that. They just, sometimes I will look at some relationships and I'll be like, wow, this relationship isn't necessarily helping me to be the really the best version of myself that I know that I am. So I can lovingly release this relationship, just not, not because I'm cutting them out or anything, just it's not, it's not a, it's not bringing out the best love that I know that I am. And so animals can do that too, right? They, they're so good at that. They bring out the best versions of ourselves, right? Because they're just so loving yeah. themselves. And it's yeah, they so are true. psychic sponges. They're super telepathic. They're so telepathic. They, they pick up on our thoughts and they know what we're thinking because they're already, they're always in, they're almost always in the theta brainwave. Whereas most humans are functioning primarily from, you know, a beta brainwave, maybe an alpha brainwave, but the animals are almost always in a theta brainwave. I mean, unless they're high stress or high anxiety or high, you know, if they're high, highly volatile animals, they, they're more likely in a beta. But even, Mm -hmm. you know, most dog trainers don't even realize like the so-called alpha dog that's named because of their brainwave function, that they're more in an alpha brainwave, much more calm, peaceful, not hyper arrogant or what's not, what's the right word? Not because they're aggressive or dominant. It's that their brainwave frequency is so relaxed and yet clear. That's the alpha brainwave. Right. But most animals, most dogs are more, if they're chill, they're in a theta brainwave, which is totally telepathic. Mm. Right. So makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they they pick up on our thoughts because they're so telepathic. Right. Hmm. That makes (laughs) sense though. That makes a lot of sense. I think I just learned something in a big way. I'll have some reflecting to do. I'll tell you another (laughs) story about chickpea and then another dog story before I ask the next question. So I've realized that Chickpea likes to manifest things. So I asked Chickpea, this was two years ago, I said, Chickpea, what do you want? He's like, I want some hens. I was like, seriously, of all the things you could ask for, you want some hens? <laughs> he just, he looks at me, he's like, yeah, man. And I'm like, okay. So I said, Chickpea, let's meditate. So we, I close my eyes and I said, okay, Chickpea, we're going to get some hens. So we do our thing, come out of it, and a week later, two hens show up outside my house. And my <laughs> aunt lives right next door. My aunt calls me and she's like, I think two of your chickens are outside. I was like, I don't have two other chickens. I only have one chicken. And I go out there and these two hens are absolutely furious 
that I took so long to open the door and let them in. <laughs> I open it and they walk right in. They're like, what took you so long? Where's the food? And it's doing <laughs> some food. And, you know, they, they lived happily ever after. One of them, one of them's gone now. She was pretty old when she came, but I still have her, her daughter. And, um, it's funny. I just seem to have a really interesting telepathic. But you're giving chickpea. Okay. So I totally get that. You're, your um, chickpea, your rooster wanted the two hens and gave you the idea. But together, yeah. you know, when two people kind of doesn't matter, I'm using the word people, but two beings meditate on the same thing together. The mm-hmm. power of one and one is not two. The power of one and one is 11. And mm-hmm. 11 is mastery. And so you guys manifested that together, those two hens. You both did <laughs> yeah. that. And yeah. that's really, that is like, that is a beautiful actualization of your divine coming together as two beings. Rooster says, I want some hens. And you're like, okay. And of course, <laughs> you, you both. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's really I, a good I, testament I, for, for manifesting what you just said. Like, yeah. it's so great. <laughs> people to do manifesting like together on if they meditate together on the same thing and just even that idea that if people could understand that and apply that mm-hmm. to their lives like mastermind circles where people just come together and meditate on anything that is like zero harm anything you just say okay our group together right now we won't rain for for an area where there's drought Let's just meditate on feeling the rain, loving the rain, letting the rain fall, blessing the earth with the rain. And I mean, just let go of it. Don't be attached. Don't think about it. Like, when's it going to come? And then suddenly your aunt calls you up and says, oh my God, it's thunderstorming. It's like, wherever there was drought. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying you're using this as uh, like, what a great example where we can apply that to life anywhere and i just use it as weather but we can do so much on earth when two beings come together or a group of beings and decide let's make this happen let's we want this and your rooster had like not a ton of attachment because animals typically don't and you didn't look how relaxed and chill you are so there wasn't attachment like where's the hens where are they coming you weren't even thinking about it and then out of the blue you're Aunt, you said it was your aunt calls you up and said, these yeah, are your chickens. Aunt. That's so She's cool. Like, I think two of your chickens are outside. I'm like, what? I don't have two other <laughs> chickens. So awesome. <laughs> you guys are both powerful manifestors. But what, what was the second story you were going to say? So this, uh, first of all, I love talking to you because when I tell that story to other people, they look at me like I'm crazy and just kind of walk away. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's a real I wish thing. people could uh, see the power. That's why I was talking about weather. I mean, think about the power of that. Really, mm-hmm. that is how humanity is meant to make change. Like, if you want a world where, like, we don't have corrupt politicians, for example, well, let's just meditate on the energy of being integri- in integrity. Let's just meditate on breathing in honesty, truth, authenticity, what's good for all with zero harm to anyone. Let's just sit in a group and, and think like that's how change happens. Mm-hmm. 
I agree with you. And it's funny you mm-hmm. mentioned integrity because it, that seems to be one thing that's lacking on the planet at the moment. And you, you know, people can blame politics and whatever they want for that, but ultimately it's the individual that's not valuing integrity. So if that's you right. want a world that has more of something, be that something too. Don't just ask yes. for it and wait, you know? Yes. And the other thing too is like, I, I just one, I mean, I, I don't mean to get distracted for, cause I still want to hear about your other message you were going to say about the other animal message. But, um, if, if we, it's just staying with this part of the, what you were just saying, it's like we light workers, a lot of times we tend to think we're supposed to send love to everything, but actually like, in the example we just talked about, divine integrity is real energy. We can breathe that in. We can anchor it into our physical form. We can radiate out integrity. We can be the energy of integrity. We can call forward into divine integrity. And we can also ask and and command the field of consciousness to bring forward and be more integrous, to have more integrity. And by doing so, that reflects in what the collective becomes. And that reflects in the reality we live in. So it's not just about sending love at everything. That I mean, I know we've been trained to believe that love is the solution to everything, and I'm not saying it's not. But I'm saying that, you know, sometimes this is like we're the divine gatekeepers. We're the divine, we are the divine authorities. We're the new sacred government here. So if what's needed is integrity, then let's be that, bring it in, radiate it out through the field and command it that there is more integrity, divine integrity. And whatever other energy there is that we need, divine authenticity, divine truth. You know, let's let's bring in divine truth into the government, into our politics, into our world religions, into our our leaders and authorities. And we can't directly influence it would be it would be evil. That to me is the what I've received. The definition of evil is to try to directly affect or influence another without their full and complete conscious free will consent. That is evil, to try to override someone else's free will, because free will is law, God's law. But we can say, I want more honesty, more truth, more integrity, you know, more authenticity. And I'm going to be that, and I'm going to radiate that as a gift into the world. And I'm going to ask and send that to every willing heart who's willing to receive that, unnamed. Then we are lightworkers, we are gatekeepers, we are sacred, we are acting and behaving as the sacred government that we are. And we are bringing that into the world and anchoring it. And that's where power comes from, by the way, to make change in the non-physical and bring it into the physical world. So anyway, I know we took a detour from the animals there, but it was so worth it. It's a great detour. Great detour. (laughs) We could go on and on about the free will infractions that are happening on this planet right now. (laughs) Yes. Move on. Yes. We don't need to go down that road, but but it is so helpful because, you know, when the whole year of 2020 started, I 
my definition at that point of evil was the deliberate intention to cause harm to another. And I was corrected because I, I do channeling and I work with um, so many beings in the non-physical. And I said, how is this evil, you know, being allowed to happen? And what I was told is, evil, you have the wrong definition of evil, Lori. Evil is the, is the deliberate attempt to usurp free will choice. So if someone has a free will choice to either take something in their body or not, or to, to live or to not live, and someone tries to take that away, without even their, the other being's consent, conscious consent. That's evil. Mm -hmm. And we so have, we have seen to that. <laughs> choose consciousness is so important to, to continually affirm, I choose consciousness. I choose conscious. I, I choose to maintain my free will, my right, my sovereign right to my free will. Because sovereign means I, as a being who exists, I have that right. I have a right to my consciousness. Mm -hmm. And we all do, but we have to choose it with our free will. Mm -hmm. Very yeah, important. I'm so glad you said that. People need to hear that. And unfortunately, you know, I grew up hearing you can't know for anyone else. And that's so mm -hmm. true. We really can't make decisions or nudge anyone in the direction that they we see that they need to go. However, there is just so much hijacking of free will right now on the planet. And a lot of it's because the information that we need is hidden. Like for example, yes. I make a, a distinction between what is consciousness and consciousness research and the new age, you know, like I think there's truisms in the new age that are taken from every other discipline and it's used oftentimes to lead people away from what is consciousness and from really seeing themselves as a powerful vehicle mm -hmm. for the expression of that consciousness. And totally. like even that has been a big thing recently that I've seen that people are using to justify making blind decisions. In other, yes. in other words, they don't have the right information to make all their choices. So they're not, you can't use your free will in any arena if you don't have all the information because multiple yes. perspectives are what make you a powerful being essentially and gives you back your your freedom your superpower of choice and yes that's just such a big deal so true and one of the things that really also helps is to continually affirm truth i want truth what is the i used to do this in my earliest days i would do this i still do it but I just don't, it's not like a mantra every day because it's just my truth now. But in the earliest days, I used to say truth, truth. I only want the truth. What's the highest, clearest, purest, most accurate truth? What is source creator? The one true original source of all that is, all that ever was. What is its truth? Let my truth be that truth. Give me that truth. Absolute truth. And what I've come to learn is that, well, first of all, there are, <laughs> there are very few absolute truths. Every, everything else is perspective. So if you can be an accumulator of perspectives, not that accumulators, not that you need to accumulate, but the idea is that you can have as many perspectives or be open and willing 
to receive and allow, accept and allow as many perspectives as possible, knowing that no perspective is absolute truth. Then you can eventually understand and know absolute truth. Because absolute truth is that all these perspectives are true until another perspective comes in. Right? All perspectives are acceptable, are allowed, are part of this reality. And absolute truth is, is source's truth. There's just, they give you, it gets less and less, right? But you have to be willing to allow all perspectives to get to absolute truth. You can't get to absolute truth in a way without that. Because you're the moment you block out any perspective and say, that's not true, now you're in non-truth. Does that make sense? Makes sense. <laughs> I think that way. Yeah, you start limiting so. yourself. You have to be willing yeah, exactly. to accept and receive and allow so that you can ultimately come into that alignment with, with truth. Just like, for exactly. example, even if we go back to the conversation earlier about like, what is evil? Like I said, I, prior to 2020, I thought that evil was the deliberate attempt to cause harm to another. And when I was corrected out, you know, by the non-physical, cause that's where I get most of my information. Now I just go straight to source. And I'm like, you know, give me your perspective on all these things or whatever I'm asking about. But prior to that, that was my perspective. Now, if I was, if I had stopped there, I would have never gotten a new definition that's more accurate. And the other thing is like in the love and light community, which I'm part of, right? A lot of people in that community will say there is no evil because all there is is love. Well, that is a higher truth that is true it's not wrong except for that in this reality that we live in where there is physicality there is evil so if you deny the fact that there is evil in this reality then you will spiritually bypass perspectives that are true they're just not the ultimate truth and if you're spiritual bypassing then you really can't Gain the power over free will to know truth. You have to be willing to know all that is. Even if it's not pretty. Some of it's not. As you know. <laughs> I'll let the microphone drop on that one, Lori. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was right. a big one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, You're really I'm glad fun. you said that. I'm glad you said that. Honestly, um, I came into my awakening through the new age, and but I had a lot of issues with the way of thinking because it, it seemed to just do the same thing as everything else, disqualify other perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a big fan of the concept of moral relativism. You know, as long as a person's speaking their truth, that makes it okay. Because mm -hmm. why do you think that something would be right or wrong and then it's just mutable why would you think that like there's some things in this lifetime that are just full of pain they're made of pain they're made of sadness they're made of despair and mm. conflict and and hatred and all these lower energies and it, the sooner you can accept that sooner you can put yourself in a more appropriate perspective to either help or get out of the way yes <laughs> i love that you just said that yeah. yeah, because, do you know, you know, it's so interesting. I, 
you know, as a healer, I call, you know, to me, I, my healing is, has always been more focused on the emotional pain body or the mental pain body. I don't as much focus on the physical healing issues because to me, what's at the root of physical issues is emotional and mental pain, which is all just energetic perspective and awareness. So in my journey of wanting to like heal and resolve and clear my own morphogenetic field of any disturbances, I've come into so much, I'm going somewhere with this, like I've come into so much really natural bliss, really in my own way of being so much personal joy so I can address issues that to the average person would be too painful to address. And the reason I can do that is because I know that's not the truth of who we are. That's not where I reside. That's not my vibrational bandwidth. And because I can handle some of that pain and dark shadow stuff that people are dealing with on earth, I'm able to heal and resolve that for those people. And it's not me, my person. Of course, I'm always working with the divine. It's the divine that does it all. But it's that those frequencies of the divine that are so blissful, so euphoric, so loving, so transcendent. So that when something that is so painful comes into the field, it's not mine. I don't take it on. I don't cringe from it. I'm facilitating the transformation for that other being. And it's because I've been willing to go into those shadow places and to be, to be willing to accept all perspectives in the transmutation process and to come into alignment with the divine, right? And that's really, that to me is how we are all going to change this world for the better because the rest is just minutia. The rest is you just get lost in the, in the misery of it. No, because yeah, it's so kind true. of nasty. Three D reality is kind of. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's not even interesting anymore. It's like I mean, it's this. You know, the best example is like I mean, putting anything like that resembles news, <laughs> mainstream news, or another talking head like faux phony, fill in the blank FAU. It's just so uninteresting that storyline it's so uninteresting it's the same story for eons of time and the only thing that source is sort of waiting for in a way is like for people to get bored with it and be like really there's nothing new in that game like this this is where the newness is this is what's interesting like working in the non-physical like exploring the unknown that's exciting like like, what planets can you travel to in your physical world? Like, who can you interact with in the non-physical, in your non-physical? I mean, who can you, what kind of superpowers can you uncover and bring them into the physical? Like, what can you do that just blows your mind so far? You can't even believe it's possible. Like, that's what's exciting. But we just have to decide as a collective, like, we're just not interested in that stuff anymore. Exactly. Boring. <laughs> Perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's what free will is, right? For just going back to the free will thing, that's the right to choose and say, I'm not putting my time, energy, attention, or focus on any of that old stuff anymore. 
other than if I'm meant to be of service as I'm guided to by the light. As Mm -hmm. my own divinity guides me, if there's something I can do to really serve, to support, to assist in the transmutation of that, then absolutely I'll go there. But otherwise, not interested. It's just boring. Right. And it's, it is interesting in terms of helping, like there's no greater, to me, the greatest joy is from really helping somebody to come into their brilliance, to watch people or animals or both to really come into some kind of magnificence that, that is theirs. It's theirs. And yet they somehow were either like struggling to find their way or to navigate or to, figure out like why did this challenging thing happen to them or like yeah why did they lose their animal companion like abruptly or 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 why can't they come to this next level of their own journey or or why are they having this challenge in this relationship dynamic or whatever it is that something is revealed inside of them that they just couldn't access quite yet because of the challenge that had to be transcended like that's so brilliant that's really exciting, right? Because it's basically, you know, revealing their light that was just hidden under that that shadow challenge area. That's still, that's exciting. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Watching people, watching people finally find within themselves their, their ability to love themselves in a way and to express their magnificence their brilliance without the fear that they're going to be judged, criticized, condemned, or without even the worry that someone's going to call them arrogant or brazen. Like all that stuff is just awesome. That's, that's when I'm willing to go to the shit. I like, I'll totally love the shadow part then. Right. (laughs) Cause it's like, yeah, yeah, that's just, that's just nothing. Like that's just what we're cleaning up. Yeah. You were dropping some, Big truth bombs tonight. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, let's let's segue into where do animals go when they die? Because you mentioned that a little bit earlier, but I can imagine that's a question that a lot of people that are going to listen have. And I'll tell you a story about Vinny. So Vinny was a Jack Russell Terrier that lived in the house that I lived in maybe six years ago. And his owner uh, wasn't able to take very good care of him and stuff like that. So Vinny kind of latched on to me and um, I took real good care of him. I would walk him, bathe him, feed him, do all the things, play with him, all the things. And I moved out of that house and came back here and I think he lived for another three or four years. And um, he came to me the night that he died and he told me that he was going and he just wanted to say thank you for everything. And I was in the middle of a dream and I remember it was like, it kind of looked like a, a sweatshop, honestly, a weird Filipino sweatshop. If I'm being honest with you, it's a scenario that I, I, a scene, I should say, a scenery that I was unfamiliar with. And he was like, listen, I just want to tell you, thank you for everything. And I'm going, um, and you got to follow me and get out of this place. Cause this is not a good place to be in. And he mm. walks me through the place and we dodge a bunch of stuff that's going on and it's like okay you got to go this way and i'm going that way i'll see you Mm -hmm. and then he just he goes through this door he disappears and i go through my door and then 
and go into a different dream sequence. And but I woke up the next morning, and I was like, "Whoa, did Vinny really talk to me?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so cool. They definitely do meet up with us a lot in our dreams, as you know. Well, let me say, I, in my opinion, there's two kind of two ways to go when you transition. And animals are no different from us in this sense, even though human um, doctrine, especially religious doctrine, will say that animals don't go to the same place that we do. And they'll say that a lot of it says animals don't have souls. But my knowing is different. So the one thing is, the way I say there's two things is what you have to understand is that consciousness, and you understand this, continues post-death physical death. So just like us, we're still conscious creators. So what you believe and perceive is kind of like where you go. That's one of the things. So if you're unique, and I say you, but I mean animal or human, anyone, if your unique consciousness, you know, let's just say believes in heaven or hell, you can have those experiences post-death if you choose. And you choose it probably unconsciously. And so the same kind of is true for animals in that sense, if they have some kind of um, awareness about where they're going to go. So for example, whales have in their consciousness and dolphins, actually dolphins are great. Dolphins are a better example of this. Um, Cause I learned this from a dolphin that you know, dolphins can self suffocate if they choose to, they can, they have the ability to choose death by self-suffocating. They don't have to breathe. It's a choice. They can stay under the water and choose to die by not breathing. And so they can choose to teleport. Is that the right word? To transport to their home star system, another planet. They have direct access to portals that will they don't die. They just drop the body in this physical space and they tell it, they transport through portal. Not all of them necessarily, but I learned this from the collective of dolphins. So because they have that awareness, because they have that consciousness, they can do that. And that's what they, I'm not saying they all do that, but they have that ability. So that's the one way we can go through consciousness. We can go into other reality experience another reality people who believe in hell and think they're going to hell maybe they do that i don't you know people who believe in heaven and they think that they're going to meet up with all their loved ones they're going to have that choice like i've already said to my dad he thinks he's going to become a tree he just thinks he's going to go into the earth he doesn't really believe in that consciousness reality he thinks he's going to get buried or go into the ground and contribute to the earth and become a tree. And I'm like, dad, your next life, you're going to become a tree until you realize you can become something else. And then you will choose something else. So there's that. The other thing I would say with the transition is what I call dimensions or bandwidths, which is also true. You know, it's like paradox in a sense. So here we exist in this physical reality, and most people, we would call them existing primarily in third dimensional reality, which is a reality based on physicality. But in reality, they also exist in fourth dimensional reality, which is a reality of more consciousness, but it's still very dense, but it's where we start paying attention to thoughts and emotions, because those things are real too, even though they're kind of not physical. 
in that fourth dimensional reality really is a huge bandwidth so people can astral travel through the non-physical by bridging, going into 4D. And, you know, you can interact with people who are so-called dead. You know, you pass through fourth dimensional reality, you can meet there. That sometimes is referred to, to some degree, as the bardos, right? Passing through 4D, the bardos. You got to get through all that muck and density and not get distracted by the bells, the whistles, the entities, demonics. That's all in there. That stuff is all there. Ghosts can get trapped in there. They think they have a physical body, but they don't anymore. So they're not moving on, but they have some kind of like apparition to them. That's all in there too. So you have to pass through that, right? Uh, religion, some religion will call that purgatory. You can get stuck in there. You have to pass through there. Animals don't have a problem passing through there. Almost never. They have no problem, and to my knowledge. The only reason they get stuck there a little is if their their human is saying, don't go, don't go, stay with me. And then they'll kind of hang out there to their human to want to interact Humans can do that too. That's why it's kind of like, it's not really, it's not really great to like mourn over somebody because they could be in that fourth dimensional Bardo's purgatory, whatever you call it area. It's, it can be named whatever we call it, but it's just a realm up between of non-physical and physicality meet where the non-physical and the physical meet. And so somebody's really deeply mourning somebody can kind of get hang out there for a while looking at their loved ones being like, Oh my God, tell them I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm whispering in your ear. You don't hear me like that can happen there. But then, you know, eventually you become, you know, hopefully you get through there, right? Because you're the lightness of the divine. That's all density. So then you kind of move beyond 5d because you're like, that's still physical. 5d is still physical. 5d is now we're just conscious we're working with the non-physical and the physical. So that's just another bandwidth. And they move on to the higher realms, so to speak. They go past what 60 is like universal laws, the Akashic records. They're like, oh, I'm going to have a life review here. Akashic records, life review. I'm going to look at my life, look at my loved ones, examine it. Am I done with it all? If they're lucky, we hope they are. If they're really of the light, they don't have to come back in. And nobody has to come back in, but you could get trapped in that realm. You could have some maybe negative, we could say, beings who try to smack you back in there. Is this making sense you with me? Or, I mean, you have choice here. This is choice. It's the realms. You still have free will choice here. You could be like, no, I just want to go more and more into, like, not necessarily into the light, but the lightness of love, the energetic frequencies of purity so you can continue to elevate but no matter what you you have to be whoever you are animal or human pure enough to continue to be in such a pure state a pure bandwidth where you start dropping identity right because when you start moving past 6d where you know, that's where beings have life review. That's where beings kind of interact with reality, non-reality. What's reality? What am I choosing? Do I want to be an animal? Do I want to be, what's my vibrational bandwidth? Of what I'm being, right? And once you get past there, you start becoming more of a collective. Well, I'm not an animal anymore. I was an animal in that lifetime. I was a human. 
I was an extraterrestrial. What do I want to be? Like now you're moving beyond personal identification into collective reality. And as you move more and more into collective, you sort of drop personal identification and you unify more with all that is. But all of this is vibrational bandwidth. And so, you know, we get to choose. One thing I would suggest to people and to animals is, well, you know, if you telepathically talk to animals, is like start, you know, you can choose what, what you want, what you want to have, who, but you have to be vibrationally compatible. Everything is vibrational match. So, yeah, when animals transition, they go through the same kind of thing that we do. It's not like there's a separate area for animals and another area for humans. All beings are part of one source of infinite all that is and ultimately that source it is love but it is also awareness it is consciousness making infinite experiences available for itself right to experience itself in the infinite and animals are one part of that or not just one part, but part of that, as we are. So yeah, I mean, to me, that that's how I understand the transition process, the death and dying experience beyond the physical, or what some people might call beyond the veils, right? And I get it, there's other interpretations too, and it's likely they're not right or wrong. I mean, I don't know everybody's interpretation, but I did have a near-death, near what we could call a near-death experience, which truly is more kind of like astral because, you know, like if you cut, if you completely cut your cord to the body, you can't get back in. You can't get back in once you really cut the cord. Right. So it's, we call a near death experience. I'm still tethered to the body, but I'm now so far beyond the physicality that I am experiencing realms beyond what we identify as physical. And I'm, if we, we call it near death, we come back into the body, we can communicate about it. So that's where this is coming from. Like that knowing plus talking and communicating with beings who are in the non-physical, both living beings who have so-called died and other beings like angels, angelics, universal laws, all of it, the realms of the Akash, they all have consciousness. They're infinite beings and consciousness that can speak and communicate with us and help us to learn and understand more about what lies beyond our physical and what happens after we drop it. So that's what I'm doing my best to share now. That makes sense. Makes sense to me. <laughs> so what, my what I love, I just, well, let me just say one last thing about that is that what For I sure. love is that I do believe I have a knowing that humans are beginning to realize now that animals are not subservient to us, that animals are not meant to be, that I think as a collective, we're, we're starting to, it's just the very beginning foothills, because of course there's so much stuff we do to animals, you know, out there. But I think as a collective, we're starting to realize that they are our partners and that they are equals and yet different and that they have their unique awarenesses to share. And I love that. I, I do know that from an ascension point of view, like an evolutionary journey for humanity, 
that the future involves us respecting animals in a whole new way and treating them as sentient beings who are worthy and deserving of kindness, love, and compassion, and sentience, the recognition of their sentience. So, and more, more um, you know, uh, magnanimity toward all beings, like love and respect and honor toward all beings. So them included. So I, I'm really grateful that that's, that that's in our future. Um, again, it's sort I'm of kind of- glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm it's kind of about us, realize, but yeah. Sorry, yeah, go on. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, there is so much arguing about animals as food and all of this kind of stuff like that. And I just want to say, I, my body rejects animal products. It didn't always. But mm -hmm. on my awakening, as I guess as I rose in frequency, it just began to reject it. If I barely yeah. look at a, a cheeseburger, I'll get violently ill. You know? <laughs> well, I could... I, yeah. I, I get that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now when I walk through, I mean, this might sound a little harsh, but like I walk through the grocery store and I look in the, the sections and I'm like, do people ever realize it's like dead animals? It's like a scene from a horror movie. Yeah. Why do we not see it like that? It's like dead animals and blood in the grocery store. Like it's a scene from a horror movie. Yeah. It's interesting to me that people really, um, still can't sense that there's no life in it anymore. There's there's nothing to give you any life force energy in it. Dead cells can't come from, sorry, fresh cells can't be regenerated from dead energy. It's pretty you know, well, cause the other interesting thing is that <laughs> and if I, you I take to death- I that in, the same way. Right, and the other interesting thing is if you take death into the body, the body accelerates death. So you, you actually, I'm, I don't think science has studied this or learned this yet, but it accelerates death hormones in the body. So like I, I've communicated with animals a lot, a lot of different animals about like being eaten and they all have unique perspectives to share on that. You know, cows, mostly their thing is like, well, if you're going to kill us and eat us, at least give us a, a good life while we're alive. Just treat us well. Like, that's not a lot to ask, you know? Like, if you're going to kill us, just treat us well. And, oh, the mothers are all like, please stop taking our babies. They really, that they don't like. If you ask, like, um, pigs, they say it's against our free will to be eaten. We're trying to teach you to respect free will. If you ask, um, like, chickens and hens, what they say usually is, one thing they say is we're happy to share with you our eggs. If you can just, again, they say, if you can just treat us well and don't take the ones that are fertilized, just we'll give you eggs if you're treating us well that you don't even need to kill an animal to eat it. And we're, we'll share. Goats are, goats are like, we'll be happy to share with you our milk, <laughs> but let us have enough ourselves. Like they're just so respectful. And even fish, the interesting thing about fish a lot of times what I've gotten from fish, this is the one animal I've communicated that's sort of like, well, we, we eat each other. So that's fish in the ocean, though. So it's not like, they're, what they're saying is, is like, it's more about be respectful, be kind, be, share, you know, respect and honor 
treat us well. And that's not a lot to ask. I don't know why that seems hard for humans. I know. <laughs> Learn the rules. I mean, folks. I kind of do know why. I get the picture. I get it, right? But it shouldn't be hard for us. Yeah. I once asked, I was traveling through uh, South Dakota. Oh, my God. It's such a beautiful state. And I was in the Black Hills, and it's so gorgeous there. And I really wanted to understand, because there's, like, so much cow and, you know, meat meat industry. And I just wanted to better understand, like, what their perspective was. I met the most wonderful person, and I asked him, you know, like, well, how don't you, because he, he owned, you know, one of those cow, what do they call them? You know, whatever, he raised cow, cattle, cattle ranch mm-hmm. for meat. And I asked him and he's like, well, you know, he had no shame, no judgment, no wrongness at all, which I thought was very beautiful. And he said, I'm feeding America. And I really understand it. I can really understand his perspective, you know, because that's how, that's how he sees it. So it wasn't like I was in any resistance or judgment or reaction. I really wanted to gain a broader understanding. So, you know, you know, it is what it is, right? One other mm-hmm. thing I will say, since we can wrap in the conversation about weather and animals here and consciousness, um, because you can talk to the weather too, right? I've talked to weather patterns and storms and tornadoes. Like I've talked to, I talked to Hurricane Katrina and the consciousness of these weather patterns in many cases is here for purpose. And the consciousness of the tornadoes in the Midwest of the United States, for example, is often there to clean up the brutal treatment of the cow slaughter facilities there. Yeah, it it wants to clean this up. It is not acceptable. It wants to wipe it out. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That right? is fascinating. So, I mean, that's another thing I've got a, a a bone to pick with the powers that shouldn't be as well with the geoengineering thing because they're messing with the natural processes, and it, the weather really deserves more than just like a rain cloud serves more of a purpose than just a rain and water the plants. But people tend to see things like that and. I know a lot of people that just have said to me point blank, they don't see anything wrong with it. And it's like, well, you know, that's your very strange perspective on it. But <laughs> what can I do about that? But it, it's really affecting the planet in, in these detrimental ways. And it has consciousness. And, you you know, I have interacted with, uh, like, hurricanes and things like that before. And, you know, just... It's something that you... Yeah, I mean, there is there is a really big difference between a geoengineered, artificially created through like some kind of, you know, you can call it a war technology or whatever, a technology that is deliberately affecting the weather that creates unnatural imbalances in our environment versus a you know, a storm that is of, you know, of Mother Earth and the nature spirits and the, and the collective consciousness of the geographical area coming together for a purpose. 
you know, Mother Earth wants wants to be fed with water or, yes, the area wants some cleanup or we need to wash something away or we need to move something around or we need to make more space maybe or we need to help, you know, resolve the people. Like, um, for example, an earthquake sometimes is the reflection of the consciousness in that area if the people feel or the beings who live there feel unstable or they don't feel secure in their or stable in their foundation, they feel un, unstable or ungrounded, that, that could evoke um, the, the consciousness there to experience an, an earthquake, for example. So, so there's a big difference between something artificial and then something that's natural, that's designed by collective consciousness to either stimulate awakening or to serve some greater purpose. And that's, again, that's part of us choosing truth and consciousness. If we're choosing truth and consciousness, and if we're as a collective and as individuals actively choosing with our words, thoughts, deeds, and emotions to the best of our ability, that which is for the greatest, the most benevolent, best of all, ideally harm to none, then that which is natural will naturally, um, organically supersede anything false or designed so-called of the dark to control, dominate, and or manipulate, right? So that's, again, why it's so important for us all to choose truth, consciousness, and to use our discernment and to continually affirm that we are desiring that which is for the most benevolent best. And we are reclaiming our sovereign right to choose and to know truth because otherwise we're just stuck with these ridiculous artificial technologies that are causing harm and then we can try to carpet sweep it and pretend it doesn't exist or decide oh they said it's okay like we can that's not really yeah that's not the future earth i'm aligning with and i don't see that as the future I, I'm always asking, you know, what is God's plan for lighted creation? What is, and that's why I have, I don't have a lot of fear like a lot of people do. I don't believe all this high drama that people are saying, oh my God, stock up. That's all fear based. So drama. If you start aligning with God's plan of lighted creation and really, really choosing that to be part of your, your journey, do your journey to be part of that is what I should say and align yourself with God's will for a light of creation. It is a beautiful future for us. Not one free of challenges, not one that it's still going to have the dualistic experience, but it is not going to continue to include secrecy, coercion, domination, manipulation, secret covert activities, like things that are harmful. That is being eliminated. That is self-destructing. So as we align with the path of the light, we will still have a dualistic experience. It'll still be me, you, us, them, but it'll now be like, how rich can love be? How much, what can we grow and expand into and evolve into from, from a place of like omni love with differentiation? That's like a beautiful future for us. And I see that as our future, but I know that is not necessarily everyone's future because there are always choices and choice points and those choice points lead to different you know dimensional bandwidths of experience right again going back to your question like wow what happens after we die well you believe in hell you can have that you want it i don't know why but okay 
Yeah, I think some people are actively <laughs> creating hell on earth for themselves. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. um, like back to the, the geoengineered cloud thing. I mean, I, I used to get myself in trouble with that when I <laughs> lived in the United States because I would sit there and I would interact with the weather and I, I would realize that there's a vibrational difference between a geoengineered cloud mass and a regular cloud mass. And so I would move those geoengineered cloud masses using my consciousness. And like five minutes later, black helicopters would show up above the house, looking around to see who did that. And I used to get myself in trouble all the time doing that. So eventually I stopped doing it. But eventually I learned something about the power of human consciousness through that. And it, it really hit me that there's a lot of people that live their lives and they resent the weather. You have that in Florida. I feel like a lot of people live their lives and they feel powerless over the weather. And I'm like, no, it's so, so not the case. Exactly. Right. Like I live in, as I said, I live in Florida and in the last year we've had quite a few storms that were quite devastating to the state. And I mean, I remember being on like multiple times over the years, multiple webinars where people would be like, there's a hurricane. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'd be like, okay, guys, look out my window. There's nothing going on. And I just know it's because I play with the weather. It's our friend, you know? if If it is indeed, as I say, you know, if it's a natural, even even if it's not natural, either way, somehow it's serving the purpose of expansion of consciousness. So if you're working with it in partnership and in harmony with it, that's in its own way a service of consciousness, the expansion of consciousness. So if you work with it, in harmony with it, then it it that in and of itself serves the expansion of consciousness. Therefore, it has no need to be devastational. It does not have to devastate us. We're not the victims of it. But we have to come into greater recognition. And of course, again, all of it, it's everything's vibrational frequency. And the idea is the more that we can be in harmony with, that's really where our power comes from. And when I'm using the word power in this case, I mean our ability to create the kind of life on earth that we're all desiring, which is one where we all live, you know, the, we are able to be the best versions of ourselves and we all live in the kind of experience that we truly consciously desire, right? Both personally and collectively. Because, you know, we can have personal experiences and then we can have collective experiences, right? So it's up to us to consciously choose that and then become vibrate the vibration, the energy, the thoughts, the emotion, the behavior that that is that. So who do we need to be to have the experience that we desire to have and then be that? That's a great yeah. way to end it. <laughs> Lori, awesome. where can we find you? Oh, yes. Okay, well, first of all, let's give a big shout out to Neil Gar and Portal to Ascension because I'm going to be there in April at the Portal to Ascension conference. And I would love people to come meet me there in person and see me. It's going to be in Orange County. California in April. I don't remember the exact dates, but um, it's on my website. And my website is lorispagna.com. It's under the events tab. 
And um, of course, people can get tons of some amazing gifts there too. If you want to activate your DNA, I didn't uh, talk too much about the DNA today, but like a lot of this stuff starts coming online when we activate our DNA, right? So you can get some uh, gifted DNA activation at lauriesfania.com forward slash free gifts forward slash DNA. You can also learn how to communicate telepathically with animals and interact with animals and do healing with animals and yourself at lauriesfania.com forward slash free gifts forward slash animals. And it's L-O-R-I-S-P-A-G-N-A. I'm also all over YouTube, I'm on Facebook, you know. So yeah, people can find me there. And you can get lots of free gifts too. There's other free gifts there as well. There's a great gift on learning about your starseed ancestry and yeah, lots of good stuff at lauriespine.com. Other than that, I want to thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to chat with you. A lot of vibrational resonance here. So love your (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is one of my favorite interviews from I guess out of the whole lot. This is actually one of my favorite. Oh, I'm so glad. That makes me happy. I love sharing. I love, love, love to be able to share and teach and connect and unify. So thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Lori, thanks for being on the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. You're listening to the Boundless Authenticity Podcast, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. At the very least, people need to understand that the United States builds bunkers, which are basically cities underground every three months. Basically, when you dream, you tap into your subconscious. It is your nocturnal intuition, your creativity and imagination unchained from conscious reason, ego and logic. Their biology is alive, but they have no soul. They have AI consciousness. They can alter your consciousness of the brain if you have a brain. We live in a multidimensional reality. Whether it comes through esoteric information in the spiritual realms or the UFO people experiencers or mainstream through quantum physics and through mainstream science now realizing that parallel dimensions probably exist. We're all spiritual beings. We're all having these human experiences. We've heard that phrase over and over and over. But what does that really mean? You know, all the big questions of life, do we have these answers inside of our souls? We're ultimately studying the nature of what it is to be human, good and evil, our psychology, how we think, and our health. That's why I love Bruce Lee's great all knowledge is ultimately self-knowledge. The Boundless Authenticity Podcast.